0: Welcome to the next edition of P5 Protocols. For those listening via iTunes or SoundCloud, but not yet subscribed, please go to www.p5protocols.com and in the upper right corner, click on Contact Us and sign up for our newsletter, P5 Insights, as well as a link to this podcast to be directly emailed to you. This week, we have two discussions. The first is about the concept of how a handful of fairly large checks could have a profound impact on learning about disease and how each of them could be better treated. Think about the power of incremental learning and compounding, or the application of finance and behavioral psychology to the practice of medicine. The second area I want to tackle is how do the common ways of medicine become, well, the common ways, otherwise known as standard of care. I have my theories, and some of them are based on my overly simplistic patient perspective, but they have implications about what people think and are willing to do. Part of this is the way human beings react to news, which of course is rapidly evolving like everything else. We are at the precipice of radical changes in healthcare, but I am betting they are not the ones you think. It's just human nature to group around one view while the ultimate truth is, shows up in a different place or direction. On to the first topic. So here's my bet, and call it a challenge if you will. I would bet that for 50 or $100 million, or maybe even less, about the cost of a good painting for a few successful art-collecting hedge fund managers, or a drop in the bucket for a few large foundations, or the first step in the development of a major drug that may benefit society in 10 years at three to eight hundred thousand dollars per patient per year, I'm betting that with five years of incremental non-invasive trials, we could prove with overwhelming data and insight that various combinations of integrative oncology, including nutrition, detoxification, hormone balancing, ketogenic diet, and other bodily support, can by all statistical statistical measurements outperform just about every standard of care currently on the market, including where immunotherapy will be in five years. And as a bonus, we would help many lives along the way. And this would apply to most diseases. I would further bet, a term I hate to use when human lives are on the line, but someone has to incite others to action, that it doesn't have to replace standard of care completely, to the contrary, in fact. Another name for functional or integrative medicine is complementary medicine. What I believe is lost is that all of medicine should be complementary. All options should be considered, and where appropriate, used. And if a doctor does not know nutrition or forms of meditation or movement or other modalities, then that doctor has an obligation to find high performers in those respective fields and associate with them and refer out their patients, especially when the options are low risk. In other words, if alternatives help or even are best for a person, but standard of care or parts of standard of care could be helpful, then do them both or vice versa. No one should care what the standard is and which component is complementary. So add in machine learning and some intelligent algorithms so that we become collective learning systems or machines. Then by the time, let's say, 10 years has passed, we could have dramatic improvements in outcomes just in time for today's research to hit the market. Wait another 5 or 10 years and we may have nanobots fixing ourselves in DNA. But I am focused on saving those living today, dealing with today's medical problems in today's payer environment. So when I apply compounding, as seen through an investor's eye, let's say at a 5% per year improvement in outcomes, after 10 years, we have a 63% improvement in overall outcomes. However, at 7.5% per year, which I would still argue is a low return, 106% improvement. At 10%, which I would still argue is a low number, 259% improvement. At 12.5%, we're well over 300% improvement, which if a disease has, say, a 10% survival rate, which would be a nasty one, you would see it at over 40%, but I would bet that the quality of life along the way would be infinitely better, so making an apples to apples comparison would be difficult. If you ever meet Ben, ask him to do his Ben Bernanke impersonation. I'm sure he will verbatim remember that skit from our Iridian holiday party in December 2010. Ben, Hunt that is, is probably the leading expert in the world in the common knowledge subset of game theory. It is based on predicting behavior, not based on what you know, but rather what you think everyone else thinks or knows to be true. I hope I said that right. One of the recurring themes in our newsletter is and will be the application of the common knowledge subset of game theory to predicting the practice of medicine and thus informing our investment direction and choices in whom we invest. This piece below is supposed to be a short snip, no pun on genetics intended, from that November 17th edition of Epsilon Theory, but I failed to cut out much. It delves into how common knowledge comes to be, well, common knowledge. With some very minor artistic license to hide names and shorten where I can, I quote the following. The thing about the common knowledge game is that once you start looking for it, you see it everywhere, not just in our investment lives, but also in our social and political lives. The public unmasking of several celebrities as serial rapists is an archetypical Play of the common knowledge game, and recognizing its dynamics should open everyone's eyes to how other high and mighty people and ideas can take a fall. The core dynamics of the CK game is this How does private knowledge become, not public knowledge, but common knowledge? Common knowledge is something that we all believe everyone else believes. Common knowledge is usually also public knowledge, but it doesn't have to be. It may still be private information locked inside our own heads, but as long as we believe that everyone else believes this trapped piece of private information, that's not enough for it to become common knowledge. The reason this dynamic, the transformation of private knowledge into common knowledge, is so important is that the social behavior of individuals does not change on the basis of private knowledge, no matter how pervasive it might be. Even if everyone in the world believes a certain piece of private information, no one will alter their behavior. Behavior changes only when we believe that everyone else believes that information. That's what changes behavior. And when that transition to common knowledge happens, behavior changes fast. Think about, and this is P5 here, the shoe bomber. Everyone likely wanted more protection at the airports and thus on the planes and therefore did not complain when one inept terrorist got a C4-laden shoe on a plane and caused endless billions of passengers to take their shoes off when going through security. It should have happened long before, but this event put it into the limelight enough for all to believe it is appropriate. I believe this is what is building in integrative medicine. At dinner the other night, a friend said, when you're diagnosed with cancer, the first thing you do is go 100% organic and clean up your diet. Now, that was a breath of fresh air, but I had to inform her that virtually every major medical center in America does not preach nor teach that. Back to Ben. The classic example of this is the fable of the emperor's clothes. Everyone in the teeming crowd possesses the same private information. The emperor is walking around as naked as jaybird, but no one's behavior changes just because the private information is ubiquitous. Nor would behavior change just because a couple of people whisper their doubts to each other, creating pockets of public knowledge that the emperor is naked. No, the only thing that changes behavior is when the little girl, what game theory would call a missionary, announces the emperor's nudity loudly enough so that the entire crowd believes that everyone else in the crowd heard the news. That's when behavior changes. And so it was with these celebrity rapists. Apparently, it was no great secret that they were serial rapists. Apparently, everyone in Hollywood was familiar with the stories. It was ubiquitous private knowledge and pretty darn ubiquitous public knowledge. I mean, if you're making jokes about it on 30 Rock, it's not exactly a state secret. But there was never a missionary. There was never anyone willing to shout the information so loudly and so publicly that it became common knowledge. That's what one woman and eventually others did, and that's the power of Twitter and modern celebrity, to establish missionaries and create common knowledge. Once that common knowledge was created, once all the private holders— of all of one man's dirty secrets, believed that everyone else believed that he was a serial rapist, then everyone's behavior changed on a dime. His publicists and lawyers and partners and colleagues and boards of directors and wife were shocked, shocked to hear of his behavior, and certainly would no longer be representing him or working with him or associating with him ever again, even though nothing had changed in the information they already possessed." Ditto with his, and this applies to many other rapists, other victims. Their behavior changed as well. That's not a knock or slam on them. In the absence of common knowledge, staying quiet, whether you're an abettor or a victim, is the rational thing to do. In fact, this is what these rapists and their abettors count on, that their threats and shaming and bribes will set up a Hobson's choice for victims. More on that another day. Sure, you can go public, but no one will believe you and then we will ruin you. So yeah, go ahead. It's your choice. Of course, no one goes public because only a victim with missionary power, and that's a really rare thing, has the option to not just go public with the story because simply going public is not enough to change behavior, but to create common knowledge with the story. What are the broader lessons to take from all this? I've got two. First, there's enormous Economic, political, and social power in being a missionary, and social media has completely transformed the missionary creation process just over the past few years. This is why it matters how many Facebook followers you have and how many RTs you get on Twitter. This is why Donald Trump adopted social media so early and used it so prolifically. Twitter, in particular, is a common knowledge platform of great power. Having lots of followers isn't monetizable in the sense of traditional marketing, but that doesn't mean it's not incredibly valuable. Put differently, celebrity in and of itself has never been a greater source of political power than it is today. Why? Because of the common knowledge game. Second, there's a lot of ubiquitous private information about powerful people and powerful ideas trapped in the crowd today, just waiting for a missionary to release it As common knowledge. The more powerful the person or the idea to be brought low, the bigger the missionary and platform required. But nothing's too big, and once the common knowledge is created, behavior changes fast. And I unquote. Well, that was a mouthful. Again, I started out thinking I would pull a paragraph or two, but this is powerful stuff. I'm going to have Ben on this podcast soon enough at Epsilon Theory, an investor newsletter to be found, again, at www.epsilontheory.com, where you can subscribe for free. Ben's pick for moving from private to common knowledge is inflation. My pick for the big idea that gets taken down is standard of care. I think each disease will happen a few at a time until the dam bursts. We all know standard of care for most diseases doesn't work well. We all know that eating better makes a profound difference, that exercise works to help cure or recover from disease. But it remains private knowledge, only practiced by an educated and disciplined few. For now. But we're only a few big missionary statements away. I believe economics demand it. Thank you for joining us here at P5 Health Ventures. Again, if you're not registered, please do not hesitate to do so at www.p5protocols.com and click on Contact Us in the upper right corner, where you will find a box to add your email or send us an email at protocols at p5hv.com. Have a great Super Bowl and make sure you don't overeat. Until next time, thank you.